Servus and welcome to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode four here. Uh, we're happy this week to be joined by a fellow goaltender. Um, I grew up going to a lot of goalie schools and this guy was teaching me what he already knew about goaltending. And we stayed in touch throughout the years and I always followed his career. Um, he's now transitioned into the real estate business, but the Pro Hockey Podcast is proud to welcome Michael Luzis to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. So right now, as you said, you're uh, you're just at the office right now, and I appreciate you taking the time to to talk to me. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, um, I, I like getting in the office early. It's kind of my thing. And when you were like, you want to jump on, and it works for me. So yeah, no, I'm excited. So you were born in Ham- Hamilton, Ontario. Is that where you like kind of grew up at your childhood and like first learned to learn to play hockey? Yeah, so I'm I'm from Hamilton. I I lived there until basically going to juniors. I played I played for the AAA team there in Hamilton, and um, at the time we just had one team. Now there's there's two. For if anyone is familiar with Hamilton, um, so we just had the one team, and we played basically started there. Played AAA there for from when I was ten to fifteen or so, and then dropped the OHL and and basically left Hamilton at sixteen and. My parents are still there, but I, I live I live in Toronto now. And that's that was actually one of my questions. So, like when I grew up playing, there was the two Hamilton teams. There was the the reps who you played for, which were in the Alliance uh, League or division, and then we also had the Hamilton Bulldogs, which were in the SCTA. So you were saying back when you played, it was just the reps were the only team. Yeah, so it was the reps. I mean, there was a team in Stony Creek, which now like Hamilton has turned into like the Greater Hamilton area type of thing. So um like that bulldog team i think they're out of stony creek if i'm not mistaken i'm not exactly sure right now but essentially that was that team was a different city and now it's all kind of amalgamated into one hamilton so now there's two teams in hamilton let's say um but yeah at the time it was the hamilton reps and we were in the alliance and we had uh yeah, we had a, we had a really good team actually. We we won a lot of tournaments. We went to the Pee Wee tournament. Uh, we finished, I think, second or third there. Third, um, and then we like we played in the OHL Cup. We won the Alliance a few years in a row, and um, we had a lot of guys drafted the OHL. It was it, we were a really good team. And one of my questions I'm always curious about, especially when talking to a goalie such as yourself, since I was a goalie what made you want to want to become a goalie? Like, was this something that you always were fascinated by the position or was it, you know, just kind of got thrown in one day and you were good at it and they just kept you in there? Combination of both. I think, um, actually it was pretty funny, like on our street, I mean, street hockey was a big thing back then. I don't think the kids play anymore, but back, back, uh, when I was a kid, which was 30 years ago now, when I was playing, uh, we actually had four goalies that lived on our street and wow. nobody wanted to play a net so being the youngest kid that wanted to play I, I was always kind of the guy in net you know and um then i i at some point i asked my like that was when the leafs were also like felix poffin was in his heyday and you know like you're talking 92 93 when the leafs were going to the cup finals and um yeah, and then basically just asked my parents if I could play hockey. I started out, I played, I played like five or six games as a defenseman, and I was a net like right away, basically, um, and never looked back. And literally played for 
30 years basically after that. So it was, uh, that was it. And I loved it. And I, I wore a 29 my whole career because of Felix Poppin. And it was something that um, I was just fascinated by the gear, by like, I just loved, I just loved goalies. I still do. But you know, at the time that was like larger than life for me was just the, the, how the goalies looked and stuff. No, I can definitely, definitely relate to that. I've said before in this podcast, I think the reason I became a goalie was because I just wanted my helmet painted and yeah. my parents wouldn't let me do that to my, my, uh, defenseman helmet. So my players bucket, yeah. but, um, so did you like, would you say that like right away you started like going to goalie schools, maybe in summers to like, you know, get better every year, or was this something you kind of just picked up along the way and then eventually transitioned to those schools? Yeah. So I actually didn't go to a goalie school until I was 13. Um, wow. so I, I played, I mean, now that sounds like an eternity later for these kids that are there so young, but, um, yeah, we're just pretty much self-taught. I mean, we used to watch those VHS of like, the you know, the puck stops here too. Actually, like if you, I saw it on YouTube the other day. I was like, wow, this thing is unbelievable. Like, uh, but we used to work on, we had a, you know, our trainer at the time was like our goalie coach and um we'd be worked on like glove snaps and this is weird things back then you know and um pretty much self-taught i've watched a lot of hockey I, I used to read those in gold magazine um magazines actually like i know now it's all online but back then it was like physical magazines with like screenshots and i don't know if you remember those you're probably too young for those too um but yeah, I just was always kind of a student, always trying to learn. My other goal, my goalie partner was also uh, Dave Brown, was a really good goalie um, as well, and we we pushed each other and and we just we just figured it out. I don't know how to explain it. We just kind of found ways to figure it out, stop pucks. He was a Kineski guy growing up. Um, that's a goal, that was a popular goalie camp. I don't know if they're still around now, but I was literally never had been to a goalie camp until. 13 and and that's where we met and and i was there for yeah for a good amount of years but that's that was it like 13 and but that for me was a big change because then i went from like just stopping pucks with like not really having a plan to stop pucks to like okay now let's let's learn how to butterfly properly let's learn how to recover properly let's learn how to butterfly slide like now all of a sudden i was like you know not technical and stopping pucks to like add in technique. And I really was able to like my game elevated a ton after that. I think it definitely at that, at that age too, probably would allow you to understand like the position a little more, because as you said, like you were just finding ways to stop pucks before, but then once you eventually transition to these, these goalie schools, you know, they're teaching, okay, in this situation, this is why you do this. This is why we slide here. This is why we stand our feet, et cetera. So like, I feel like for any goalie that once you have eventually that teaching, like even if you start a little later, like yourself, it, it definitely would elevate you. And you were always a massive. That's what I noticed at the goalie schools. You were always a guy like even when you were teaching us in video, like you were always like a student of the game, like trying to learn. Yeah, I, I kept that my whole career. Like I was I've always been a student of the game. And and even now, like I watch hockey and it's, it's different now. I watch it like I'm a fan, but like. You know, I'm still watching what the goalies are doing and, and how they're playing stuff. Like I just like, you know, it's an innate thought mm -hmm. process watching now. But but when I was playing, I was always trying to, you know, get a little little bit better. How can I get that like one percent better? How can I just find ways, even at the top of my game? Um, when I retired, I, you know, 
basically when you retire, you're kind of like you're, you know, you've hit your max, I'd say at some point. And uh, for me, it was like, how do I keep learning? And yeah, like once I added an element of technique to my, let's call it like, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like natural ability to, to make saves, it really made a difference because now all of a sudden you're not just going on instinct, you're also going on instinct plus technique and that natural puck stopping ability, which, which is something that you can't, you could teach that, but you like, there's an element of like where someone can just stop pucks. Like it's just a, just a natural element of like a pure pucks. Like you look even the NHL, like Craig Anderson, like, you know, at his age, he's not the most technical guy, but like he stops a lot of, like, he's just a natural puck stopper. And that element I feel like has been kind of lost a little bit in the transition to a lot of the goalie coaching and stuff. But like, that's kind of a, like, just, that's how it used to be. You used to just had to find ways to stop pucks and the guy shot it and you would like make a glove save and make a windmill and have your toe up. And it was just like a, whatever, whatever, but that was it. Now, like nobody does that really anymore. So no chance you were doing a toe up save at Johnny Elkins goalie school. That, that was, that was frowned upon, but uh, no, I definitely, I understand what you mean. Like, I think, especially us, like we aren't the biggest, the biggest guys, like I'm, I'm five, 10 and a half. And we were kind of taught, you know, here's the technical side of it, but you also have to be that reactive kind of battle side of it. Like you said, just a puck stopper. And I do agree with you. I, I, I noticed it a lot over here now. Like there's a lot of goalies being taught and they just see what they see on TV and, and how, you know, bigger guys play. And I try to, you know, remind them, Hey, well, you're not six, four, you're not six, five. And even guys like Vasilevsky, who is six, four, six, five, I believe he still plays like reactive and uses his hands. And that's something that I, I agree with you. I think goalies today are, are kind of getting away from going more into like that robotic blocking phase. But, um, yeah, it's good. It's good to good to hear that from from you and just like your your opinion on it. Um, I wanted to touch on one thing I thought was very interesting. So when you got drafted by Barry in the in the third round, I believe, and the next year you go to Finland. Like, can you talk me about uh, about that decision and just kind of what was what was your thought process there? Yeah. So I mean, my thought process was I didn't really know a thought process. <laughs> um, Basically, what had happened was I was drafted by Barry. I like I really wanted to play in the OHL. Like I wasn't really an NCAA. Wasn't really. I don't know what it was. I, like I just like my thought process now has changed. Like twenty years later, but at the time, you know, you don't really know. It was literally like twenty years ago. Like now, basically. Um, so I was drafted by Barry, and then it was like, okay, the next step is tier two. Right. So that's kind of like you're, you know, you played your AAA, 15 years old, next drafted. Uh, my partner was also drafted. Uh, you know, I was third round, he was fifth round. And then it's like, okay, well, there's one team in Hamilton at the time was a Kilty Bees. I think now they're the Red Wings or whatever, the, the junior A team in the mm. um, Ontario Junior League. And so the coach, we go to the camp and the coach is like, okay, well, I want to keep both of you and we want to bring in a 19 year old. And like in, at that time, like, or I, I'm sure it still is like, you're only playing what 35 games in that league. Like you're not playing very many games. So whatever that works out to be like, I, I don't know the exact number, but 
even if it's let's say 40. So you got a 20, you got a 19 or 20 year old that's going to probably play minimum 20 games. And then me and my goalie partner are going to play what, like 10 games each, maybe like, so try to get a release. Um, had an opportunity to go to like Wellington. I think it was Wellington at the time or some team like out in that area. And they wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't give me a release. So they basically were like, well, you can either play here or not pretty much. Like there's nowhere for you to go. Um, they wouldn't give me a release to anywhere in, in the Ontario league. So a junior league. So then um, I was playing in the, you know, that there's like a, at the time, I, 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 again, like, I don't know what it's like now. So like, this was a long time ago, but I was playing in one of those prospect tournaments yeah. in the summertime. And uh, this coach comes up to my dad and I, and was like, um, I had like the, you know, an advisor or whatever at the time. And he's like, you know, would Mike be interested in going to play in Finland? We just got a team. They just moved up from the second junior league to the top junior league, which, you know, is a really good league in, in Europe. It's, it's a, it's one of the best junior leagues in all of Europe for sure. And that's the SM junior league in Finland. And, um, it's like, would Mike be interested in coming, coming to play? He'll play a lot of games. We don't have another goalie. Um, the league's really good. And so that summer, I went over there for like three weeks with my dad. We went over, spent three weeks in Finland. Like, I'd never left home, never been out of the country. Like, you know, and uh, so again, we kind of asked like the Hamilton team, we could go like to a different team. And they said no. And then we're like, okay, well, we're just going to go to Finland. Um, so I did, and I like packed up and I, I left nine 11 happened like literally two days after I landed there. Um, literally like I landed on like the eighth or ninth and like nine 11 was obviously on the 11th. And, um, yeah, it was just, just landed over there and then started my, my season in Finland. Um, not the most normal path I'd say, um, if I could go back, I probably would have just stuck it out in, in tier two, to be honest. You just don't like, you just don't learn the same way. Like when you go over there, it's just different, right? Like, like, um, yeah, I played a lot, but our team was very bad. Um, we were playing at the time. Like there was like a lot of really good players in that league that, that became like future NHLers. And, um, we just weren't very competitive and you know what it's like over there. Like if your team's not competitive, it's really difficult, especially in, in Europe, like where the top teams are very top heavy. So it was, uh, I played a lot, faced a ton of rubber, um, and then came back and played in Barry the next year. Yeah. Well, two things I wanted to ask you from that, like first was, was there ever the thought in your head to hey, maybe I could just go play major midget for a year because at least like you were going back to, you know, where you just were that with the Hamilton reps and you knew you were going to play a lot. Um, and I guess the second question would be, how was that transition to Finland? Like, as you said, like you're whatever you are, 16 years old, you're living away from home. And then obviously that event happened, which probably added some some craziness to it. But like you said, you'd never been away from home. And, you know, at 16 years old, you're going to another country where they speak another language or they they eat different things. Like, it's just totally different. Like, how was that for you? Yeah. Um, well, it was, it was different for sure. So 
Um, the first part of the question, like I, I really had no interest in going back to AAA. I feel like I accomplished everything I could accomplish there. A lot of the team was dissembling. We just won the alliance for like the third year in a row. Um, we were we were really good, um, mm. and then we played in the OHL Cup. But I just had no no thought process of going. Back. Like the next step for me was was tier two, basically. Um, or OHL, obviously. But at the time, in the OHL, you can only have two guys dressed, uh, two draft picks dressed. Now I think it's changed. Now you can have different amounts. But at the time, was um, if you weren't a first or second rounder, you, you probably weren't sticking around almost across the board. So the first and second round picks sticked, uh, stuck. And then, um, yeah, as a, as a third rounder, I wasn't really... They wanted me to play another year and obviously develop and, and come up. So, um, yeah, like... Pretty much what had happened was when I went over there, like, you got to think this was, I mean, it's not even that like iPhones weren't invented by, back then. It was like when I went over there, like people had like those Nokia, Nokia is a Finnish company that had like these little snake phones back then. Like, like you're talking like a little tiny, like everybody had a cell phone, but it was like different planet no none of my friends here had a cell phone like my parents would be like okay we're calling you at you know 6 p.m on a wednesday and it probably cost them like a 100 bucks to call me for like 20 minutes you know like now it's so different now it's like oh hey mom you just pick up whatsapp or facetime or whatever like you're on a phone in like two seconds back then there didn't exist like you're emailing people i was doing correspondence with my high school in Hamilton at the time is a French school, it was a small school. So they they were cool with doing correspondence. And that was even still like, you know, you're like not to take any weight, anything away from my education. But at the time, like it's like, okay, here's the class. Like you got to figure out how to do it online, which like, you know, just so different than where things are at now, obviously. And um yeah, like I like just a totally different planet. Like I was over there, like you don't know, like you don't have much of a connection with the outside world. I will say like from a development standpoint, there was a lot of ice. You could go on the ice all the time. We had dedicated goalie practices all the time, like twice a week, once or twice a week with a goalie coach. So like what you're doing now, like with your team or what you would have been doing with your team as a goalie coach with the whole system, they were doing that 20 years ago. And here that didn't really exist. Like it wasn't a thing as popular here. Like here we'd go to our summer camp and that was it kind of thing. Um, and there it was a big thing. So like, it was good on that perspective. And like, I feel like I became a lot better of a goalie. It was just, I think there was an element of like, if I was here, I would have, like, when I went over there, I lost pretty much all NCAA contact because people thought I was playing pro over there. So now all of a sudden it like, it eliminated that entire route for me altogether, which I think I would have liked to at least, if I were to look back at it now, playing tier two here would have been a big value. At least you have NCAA exposure and um, the opportunity to go there and see what comes up on that front too. Um, but yeah, it was just, I mean, going over there, like I remember being mind blown, like there was this uh, Pepsi machine where you'd like, call the number on your phone and they would like spit out a Pepsi and like charge your cell phone bill. And I was like, this is insane. You know, like, you know, back, like we're talking 2001. Yeah. <laughs> like 25 years ago, almost right. Yeah, like you're 20, 20 years ago. They were living like, in the future. Yeah. And I remember seeing like the first ever 
Nokia phone because that that was like all the rage there with like where you can watch video on the phone. It was like, wow, this is crazy. You know, like just that's how it was back then, but it's, it's definitely very different now. You touched briefly on the 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 major or sorry the the tier two junior NCAA side of it with that exposure. I I'm also in the opinion, like to be quite honest, like we're we're only five years apart. Like I think in birth years, I don't think it's that big of a difference. But I grew up in Peterborough, so I only knew the OHL. I went to games every yeah. Thursday. My plan also was I want to play in the OHL. Do you think like especially when you were playing and even for me, I didn't really learn about NCAA until I moved to Burlington because my best friend's dad had played and he said how much fun it was. But do you think that back then it was more like, okay, if you're good enough, you're going to go play OHL. If not, you're just going to go tier tier two and then see what, see what happens kind of mindset. Oh yeah. It was, it was definitely different. And like now it's now the NCAA, like, it was it was really good. like so uh, my goalie partner Dave like he went NCAA played at Notre Dame had a great career there uh, signed like drafted NHL signed a pro contract like um, that route really worked well for him and I do think now looking back like I I really like that route for goalies looking back at it now like and it's it's very different now so back then was all about OHL 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 like you said like that was kind of like I want to go to the OHL I want to play three years I want to go play in the NHL like that was like that was like basically the mindset right you know that that's what everyone wanted to do obviously it's not that easy of course but um yeah, that was that was my mindset. That was like all I, I was like, I want to go to the OHL. I want to go play pro. Like that was like it, you know. Um, but looking at it now, like NCAA is not that it needed to go a long way, but now like it like there's so many good players that are coming out of the NCAA playing in the NHL. Like there's new rule, like there's different rules now where you know if you're you get a couple other, maybe you get an extra year or two at, at tier two where you can really develop and get even better while committed to an NCAA team. And then you go play there. You got four years to develop again. And now all of a sudden you're going to pro at 22, 23, and you're basically getting valued the same as someone would at like 19 or 20 out of the OHL. But those three or four years is a massive difference from development standpoint and from, you know, just being a goalie, like three years is huge. And I, I really think there's a lot of value, especially now with the NCAA route, um, which I don't think at the time, or at least it could have been just ignorance or not knowing any different, um, wasn't as prominent. But now, obviously, it's, it's, it is an extremely great route. Not that it wasn't before, but now I feel like it's even better than ever. I just think it wasn't like... Uh, as like advertised, you know, because all we knew yeah. like growing up in the GTA was, you know, OHL. So like in, in the GTA, there was so many teams, like there was a Toronto St. Mike's, Mississauga, Ice Dogs, Brampton, Italian were there. Like that's just in that small, small yeah. window there. And like, as I said, I grew up in Peterborough, so I, I knew all about it, but I wanted, the reason I wanted to ask that is because when I look at your OH, OHL career, um, you know, you, you, you end up making Barry and then the next year you go to Toronto St. Mike's and, and for me, it was kind of like just looking at it and you can obviously speak to it kind of your, your, your 19 year old year there. When you go, when you go to the ice dogs, it's kind of that first year where you get into that starter position. And that's where we just talked about like the goalie, uh, 
some goalies develop later kind of thing. Like, do you think that like 19 year was the year where you like saw like a really big increase in your game and you obviously won goalie of the year and stuff. So like, I just wanted to hear like your thoughts on it. Cause I've always been told, you know, goalies develop later. So like, you know, I went to college at 19, I probably should have went at 20 or 21 kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, so it wasn't that cut and dry that I became a starter at 19. Actually, it was like totally opposite. Um, I went to Barry uh, after that year in Finland, I went to Barry and I just wasn't ready. Like what I mean, I wasn't ready at the time. I thought I was ready. And then I got there and I'm like, I think I'm ready, but the reality is I just wasn't good enough or I wasn't, I wasn't at the state that I need to be in. And I think there's a lot that goes into that, which, which kind of where I feel like if I would have played a year or two or two, I might've been a little more ready, maybe a little more, just all the elements of it, the way like living with billets and all that stuff and and having all that aspect of it. And, and I think I just didn't really know what hard work was either. Um, I played in Finland and like, you know, you get by and you do your thing and in Europe, like it's serious, but you know, the team I was on wasn't like the top team in Finland. So like, yeah, sorry, their uh, pro team wasn't, wasn't crazy. Like, um, and I think that was a big element for me, like where I thought I worked hard, but like, I had no idea. So then I got there and like, you know, I was just a little bit out of the shape, not really like as good as I could have been. Our goalie coach was like super old school. So I went from like butterfly style to all of a sudden I'm doing like barrel roll kick saves and oh, like, seriously, like the worst goalie drills you ever seen, but you know what? Like whatever it's just part of it if you're there you're there you gotta you gotta find a way to 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 do that stuff and i just mentally and physically wasn't ready and the next year so i got traded in the summertime from barry to saint mike's and that was that was a big deal for me so then i went from uh carly polyakwo he was goalie of the year that year in barry got traded to saint mike's um john was a goalie coach there and justin peters was just had an amazing rookie year as an underager and he was going into his 17 year old year, um, his draft year. And I got to camp, um, that's that year. And I was like, wow, this kid works. This guy works. I, I'd never known. And, and Andy Chioto was, um, uh, both Justin and Andy are both really good buddies of mine. And, um, Andy was Justin's goalie partner of the year before. And like these guys worked, you know, and, and for me, that was so eye opening. That was like, okay, well, I need to work. Like, and Justin didn't give me the net once from a standpoint of like, he was so good that year he was drafted second round. He, he was unbelievable. I played my 19 games i think i think if i played i'd heard at some point if i played like that 20th game they would it would have been a different like draft pick or something they would have given up for me or whatever but like doesn't matter they would like you know how it is like they would have given it up if if i was playing good enough yeah yeah. i just it was decent a decent year um but yeah like i was like again like now i had played two years and i'd only played like you know, 25 games. I don't even know how many games I played my first year, like five, six, seven, eight or whatever. Um, actually that first year I got sent down to, 
to the to tier two um and played really well there like but that was like what i kind of needed it was kind of like a like a like a little fire under me and it was like okay you gotta figure this out like you gotta really figure out like and it was kind of reassuring going down there for for the playoffs whatever showing that i could play but like just the other elements of it i just wasn't there you know um and then it's too late like you go down in playoffs like to go play tier two like you're it's the season's kind of over if you're not really now they had brought in another goalie and like i'm third goalie and like just whatever um so then the coach from barry got fired in barry and the coach from st mike's dave cameron got hired um in the nhl or the american league at the time i forget now and the coach from barry bud got hired by st mike's so now I actually got traded by the same coach twice. Um, he clearly really liked me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he traded me to Mississauga. Um, and during the process, so that summer, I like, uh, we'll get to that in a sec, but that summer, I was like, I'm going to work my like ass off. I'm going to like physically figure this out and i just went to town i i went i lived in um mississauga i was at the goalie camp i was training i was working there i was training at lunch i was training off the ice i like you know worked out with these guys i like totally like i went from like kind of thought where i was in shape to like i want to be a machine actually like i like that was my thought part like i'm gonna like physically work my i'm gonna do everything i can because as you know like if you're 19 and you haven't made it in the ohl like you're you're basically a year away from your career being over pretty close like i know that sounds dramatic but like you're going down to tier two and then whatever like from there basically like you're really it's really tough to like once that that happens like it's really tough go let's say um so yeah so i went to camp that summer um with saint mike's with the, my old coach and he was kind of like and i had an extremely good camp like really good like i was like really good at camp and he's like okay well we're gonna trade you like no problems so then i went from justin peters to david chance and both were second rounders like back to back so i so i he actually traded me to mississauga which like would have put me in the same backup position again well i was just gonna and, say quickly like i remember the year before so your first year in mississauga the year before that was i think chance's rookie year and that was the year he had like a really standout year and as you said got drafted because i remember yeah. i met him at kineski's randomly when i was picking up my gear and he had those silver pads and I saw him and my dad just like went and talked to his dad and he introduced himself to me. And he's like, yeah, my son's going to Mississauga. He's going to play in the O this year. And we're like, oh, great. Like, we'll we'll come watch you. And I remember watching him and like he had a really good season. So that must have been, you know, like, as you said, you went from Peters, who I've seen that guy when he was at camps with his shirt off. Like that guy was shredded <laughs> and had a great work ethic. Like, as you said, like was just an animal and like always you two were pushing each other. So then you're going to Mississauga, as you said, as a as a 18, 19 year old, and it's kind of like as you said, it's time to time to take the job or or the next year's tier 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 two in a sense. 
Yeah. And I remember sitting down with uh, Ronnie Mays there and, and he was our goalie coach of Bissaga. And, and Ronnie's like, you know, what do you, <laughs> I remember this, like, he's like, what do you, and he, and he, we talked about it once uh, a couple of years ago. And he's like, you know, I, we sat down he was like, what do you, what do you want out of this? I'm like, I want to be the guy. I want to be the starter of this team. And, you know, I'm sure everyone tells, tells the goalie coach that at the start. Right. And, but I was like dead serious and I just worked and worked and worked and tried to be the best guy I could with the guys and, and just work as hard as possible. And then uh, the coach would, uh, Greg Gilbert at the time would give me, you know, you start out, you play that one game in the middle of a three and three or the third game on a Sunday of a three and three or whatever. Then, you know, the next week, one game again the next week one game again then all of a sudden it started to become like oh maybe mike's gonna get two games this weekend and then like you just i just kept pushing the envelope and then all of a sudden it was like i think i played like 20 games in a row or something and and it really was out of just determination hard work to try to like turn it around because i knew if i didn't i was pretty much done um and this is not to like if anyone's listening to this thinking like it's they're done it's it's not the case it's not what i'm getting at but it's like you go from having a dream of playing the nhl to like once you start going down that level and you know it, it's really tough to keep that that high level and to keep pushing the envelope from there so so yeah and then um it ended up being a good year uh i was i was there again for the next year had a had another good year. Uh, went to one sound at the deadline there in my overage year, and um, yeah, but it was that year saved my career. Actually, like that year was the year that basically gave me another seventeen years of playing, or however long it was after that. I remember, uh, like you're saying, you had a good year. I mean, you won goalie of the year, so just uh, like incredible year to say the least. And I and just like looking, I think anyone looking from the outside would look like. You know, like you said, what happened between April of 2004 to uh, September, October of 2004? Because you you literally just took a massive step, and as you said, took it took it over there in Mississauga. And I remember watching you in the playoffs in uh, in Owen Sound. You guys played Kitchener, I believe. And I remember, you, like, I was at all the Kitchener games. I remember watching you and just being like, "Like this guy's stealing the series." Like you, I think it was you versus Dan Turple or whoever it was, and. Yeah. I think Kitchener was expected to win in like sweep or five, and I th- you guys won in six, I think. Or yeah, yeah, and we lost to London after that. Yeah, yeah, but I just remember watching you and just like you know, gave your team a chance to win every night. Um, then after that, one of one of the, what I want to transition to. So when you're done your OHL career, um, was your plan always, hey, I'm going to take my school package? Uh, I don't maybe I don't even know if they had if it's the same. It's not the same now, but back then I'm sure you had a school package. Am I going to go yeah. to CIS or am I going to try pro? What was your thought process there? <laughs> yeah, I did not want to go CIS at all. Um, I wanted to go pro badly. Like for me, going pro, like I wanted to play in the NHL. Like I, that was it. I was like, all right, I had two good years. Now what's next? You know. Um, and I just had no offers. Like I went to camp with Chicago um, and just had no offers. So then it was like, all right, I'm going to go to, I got a, I, I could have gone to a lot of schools actually, like at the end of it, like I ended up having a few offers, but obviously at UNB, um, UNB was just kind of 
not that they were just up and coming. They've always been a, a good school, but definitely not what they are now at the time. Um, and they just they just won the other day. So like you know they've they've at the time they'd won one national championship, and it was it was cool. Like I mean, I went there. Uh, my good buddy Daryl Boyce was there. Um, uh, another good friend, Justin Acosta, we went together, we played together in the OHL, we went together to, to school, we were roommates and um, yeah, like wasn't in the car, like wasn't planned. Um, and I remember getting there and I was like, not excited about being there, you know, like I just wasn't where my feet are. And um, they had a starting goalie who had been there for a while. And, and I finally started, like he had played like three years in a row of games, like never, never, never played a game. Um, and then I started starting some games and I was kind of in that same position as I was in Mississauga two years before. And it was like, okay, I got a starter. And then eventually I ended up just finding ways to keep playing and working hard and, and eventually getting the net, um, down the stretch. But like, it was, it took me a while to like really want to be there, I guess, in a sense, like not want to, I wanted to be there, but it took me a while to like, really just be like, all right, I'm at school. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to hammer this out in two years, get all my classes, do courses in the summertime. I had a year and a half done when I was playing the OHL already. I'm like, I can go here for two years, contribute to the program and leave. And that was Gardner uh, McDougal, the coach there. That was his thing. He's like, Booz, if you want to come for two years and you contribute to this program and go pro after that, you'll have every opportunity you want. And I'm not going to hold you back. And But you're going to come here, contribute. We want to win and you can go so that was it and then um we ended up winning nationals that year it was it was a lot of fun and and then the next year is when things really clicked on like now all of a sudden we went from it was a little bit mickey mouse at the time like mix mash of you know gloves and equipment and all this stuff and then all, all of a sudden like the next year we came in we had like a Bauer deal with the whole team. We had like, it was just like, we, we won nationals and all of a sudden the program went from like, okay, we're, we're good to like, we're ready to like become a powerhouse. And the next year we went, we lost one, we lost two games the whole season. One, and unfortunately one was the national championship and the other one was like in the middle of the year. And that was it. We, we beat like, we went down to NCAA, we beat those teams. We, we lost, or we lost the game to like, an NHL rookie camp team um, by like a goal or something. We were a really good team. Um, and then, and then I signed in Toronto with the Marlies and I actually like left school um, and went and was living right, literally right there. I can see it from here in the building um, and was practicing with the Marlies for the rest of the year and was the black ace for them and, and just traveled with them. And they, we went deep to the playoffs, like, conference finals but it was like my first taste of pro right out of university so yeah it was uh and then i signed with them for the next year but it was a fast two years but definitely i feel like kind of to the point where like now you're 22 and you you know you're you're two years more mature and, and you know a little bit more what it takes to to be at that level like it really helped a lot what'd you graduate with uh kinesiology okay and one one other thing before we shift to the the pro side of it, how was like CIS uh, or U Sports, I believe it's called now. Like, how was it viewed back then in terms of uh, 
you know, like guys moving on from there. And like, uh, like I just, the way I remember it, and I never went, so I can't give an accurate opinion on it, but I know when, when probably when you were there, there was maybe that like kind of, Oh, like he played CIS kind of thing. Like, like for some reason, um, you know, teams, whether it was North America or Europe would, would kind of be like hesitant to take those guys. Like, did you feel it kind of had that like stigma if you, if you will, like when you were there? Still does. Um, you know, I think the thing with CIS and it's like the biggest difference I think between CIS and NCAA is NCAA. I feel like everybody, and I don't know because I didn't play, but I feel like everybody has the dream to play in NHL still. Because it's still like a relative dream. Like you can go on NCAA and then go to the NHL. CIS is a little bit different because when you're in your fourth, fifth year of CIS, guys might be a little bit, they've already done the OHL thing for four years. And then now all of a sudden they're 25 or 26. And it's like, they're not as maybe eager to go play professionally after. And I feel like that brings the level down a little bit. But on your top teams, like at the time, I mean, we had, like if you look at our roster at, at UMB that year, um, like, I mean, we had how many OHL All-Stars, uh, like 100-point players in the OHL. Guys, like, we had a lot of really good players. Guys who had won at Mem Cups, guys who were captains of Mem, Mem Cup winning teams. Like, our team at UMB was, like, loaded with a lot of really, really good major junior players who maybe they're a little bit undersized. Maybe they took a little bit longer to develop. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they just didn't, like there's a lot of timing that's involved too. And, in, in, you know, maybe getting drafted or whatever too. And, and maybe that didn't work for guys. We had draft picks. We had guys like Kevin Henderson, my, my second year of playing in NHL, Daryl Boyce, my first year of playing mm-hmm. NHL. Um, another, uh, another name I saw was Hunter Trombley. I think you were just about to say, Trons. like, I remember him from the OHL. So yeah, he had a hundred points like his last year. And, you know, like we're talking like really good players. Um, and so the one thing I think that is different though is like CIS probably gets a little worse of a rap because there's so many teams in Ontario and a lot of them just aren't good. Okay. And I I don't mean that to be mean or anything, but like like we'd come here, we got I, my second year, we got uh ranked we just won nationals and then we came in and we got ranked like third or something, like to enter the next year. And I think Laurier was number one. And we came here and played an exhibition, beat them like 11, not nothing. Like it wasn't even close. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. like it was just like we were on a mission that year. And, um, and that's where I think the Ontario teams, there's so many of them compared to out East. And there's only uh, seven or eight teams out there. Like it definitely makes a difference. Well, I think it was the same too. Like just when I played junior, like the OJHL, there's so many teams, like you have that water down effect. Yeah. So people would always compare, Oh, you played in the OJ, but you didn't play in the AJHL in Alberta or the BCHL or the USHL. So I totally, I understand what you're, what you're saying there. Um, It's not a knock on it. And at the time too, there was no, I think in Ontario, there was no scholarships either. So that plays a big role in in like being able to recruit better players, because obviously if I'm going to go somewhere where I can get a scholarship, I'd probably be more inclined to go to the out East where you can get a scholarship at the time. I think it's changed now, which is why, the Ontario teams have come a long way in that time. Uh, but, at, but way back, like if the lower level Ontario teams were, yeah, anyway, not as good as, as the top end East, East side teams. Well, I think this, the CHL in general has done a better job at, you know, 
exciting kids about, Hey, we're, we're also focusing on your school. Like it's not just a four yeah. or five year play in the OHL, then we're done with yeah. you. And you know, now it's, I believe the rule is if you play one game each year, you get your package. Like it's, it's something along those lines where I know when, when we were coming up through the OHL, it was, you know, depending on your draft, what round and how, how many games or whatever, like, so it was definitely different where now they're really focusing on that after. And I think that's why CAS has taken a, a tremendous step forward in the last couple of years. And there are great players who are daunt. Like there's a guy in, uh, in my league who, who played CIS and then went one year in, uh, in the second, uh, Austria league in the Alps league. And now he's been in the Delta two the past three years and he's been doing really well. And that's just, yeah. you know, it shows, th- you know, they're trying to, you know, tighten the gap between that NCAA, as you said, but yeah. And it, it'll be tough to tighten, um, just based on like the level, I think, but I, I think that it's, yeah, I mean, now there's a lot more really good teams and good players that are going that route because it, it is like, I mean, you get your education paid for, like what's wrong with that? Like, think about that, right? Like it, it's pretty awesome to, you know, you can get a scholarship to get schooling paid for to play a game that you love. It's not a, it's not a bad thing. Right. So. I really like too how they have the new rule where, you know, if you're, when you're done in the OHL or QMDHL, whatever, you can technically play one year of pro with keeping your school package now. So, yeah. So I, that, I think that, that was, was there cool. too when I was there. Uh, was it? Okay. Six, I think I think you get like six months and then you have to redshirt the rest of the year, but then you can still get your package the next year. So okay. yeah, I mean, any of it is is good. And I think that's good to give a little buffer because yeah, you might go pro that first year and you start on the coast and you bounce around a little bit and all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Like for me, a big dif- difference maker was like, I can go to school for two years, get my education, finish my degree versus going to the coast for two years and who knows what happens from there. Right. And, and uh, I, I'm very happy. I went the route I went um, because after playing in the coast years later, I was like, wow, if I would have done this at 19 or at 2021, 20, I probably would have wished I'd got my school package instead, to be honest. Good transition here. My next question was yeah. kind of the, the ECHL grind, like I've asked a couple of guests on who've done it. Um, I know myself as a goalie. When I was done college, I had the option to see if I wanted to go do it in the coast. And I was like, no, I don't even want to be a part of that because I'm not drafted. I, I, I've i been off the radar because I switched from D1 to D3 college. Can you talk about like how it was for you in the coast? Like, obviously, I you did really well, but like, was it like the grind as people say, especially for like a goalie who like yourself, like wasn't NHL drafted. Um, I mean, yeah, like I, I think it's all part of it. it it's, it's the coast. It, like my first year, um, I started writing, writing had a deal with Toronto and LA that each team could put a goalie there. Um, so Reimer and Danny Taylor both sent down to the coast and, you know, I was on American League deal, like a two-way AHL, ECHL deal. And all of a sudden I'm getting shipped out. I called my agent, like, you're going down to the Central League. And then he's like, well, I'll try to keep you in the coast. Mm-hmm. So then I got, re- so then I ended up in Fresno. Um, played pretty well there. We had a really good team. Team folds like at Christmas time, totally folded, bankrupt. Then I ended up getting reassigned back to Reading. Um, then the coach gets fired there like two weeks later. Uh, 
Danny Taylor ended up getting reassigned to the American League and um it was Rhymes and I for the rest of the year and then Rhymes went to South Carolina and they won there which good for him and um yeah it was just like it's just you kind of have to go through it like you kind of have to be there to know what it's like I mean you're you're on the bus for long hours you're you're still trying to realize this pro dream and and obviously you know financially you're not going to make a ton of money in that league but at least it's going to give you the opportunity to try to move up and that's that's what it was um and then the next year i signed in vegas um i played two two years in vegas and actually the coach from when i was in fresno was the coach in vegas so he brought me into vegas so i was there as a free agent there um and i waited like i i wasn't sure if i wanted to sign there and i was waiting to see if anything and obviously i didn't get any american league action so i didn't get much much excitement of any teams right so signed in vegas my first year was a pretty good year and the second year was was better and um i ended up with three call-ups that year and i played like two periods and it was like you know like had a had about as good as of a year as i feel like can kind of have in the coast and and only i was called up three times to get like two periods of hockey and i was like the europe might be little more of an option now if i can make the jump which is getting harder and harder to do but at the time i had a pretty good little window to jump so that basically just to keep going on that so after that last year in vegas when you get the as you said you got a couple calls got those two periods uh with houston i believe that summer or after that season you're already like okay like i'm done with the grind the north american thing like let's go try europe let's see see what it's all about yeah, like I wouldn't say I was done with the grind because it's always a grind. I, like that's what pro hockey is, a grind. Um, I was just done with the fact, like I just didn't see that, like I really had a chance to, to work my way up. Like that that last year in the coast that I was like an all-star game, like had pretty good numbers. And it was like, all right, well, what what more can I do as a goalie in this league? to like try to get a chance to the American league. And I don't, I've been called up for a cup of coffee three different times and, and, you know, they're not exactly going to call up a guy and play him. I, I understand that. But like my first year actually happened twice. I was on Toronto contract and uh, when I was in Reading, we had in the morning skate, like an e-bug, like just a, you know, local doctor or someone comes in plays. And then the goalies in like, Philadelphia ended up getting injured in the American League and these e-bugs would go up and like dress for them and then like it happened to me twice where those goalies ended up playing in the HL before I did <laughs> two, two times and these guys in practice like I mean yeah anyway so it just that was pretty funny but yeah anyway I, like I, I kind of felt that I there's not much more that I could really do. I was at the time too. Now I was 25 because I had already played in my two years, like 21 and 22 at school. And then I went to pro at 23 or whatever year behind, sorry, 2021. And then 22, 23, 24, I was playing um, in the coast. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're 25. Like, am I going to be back in the coast? Am I like, or can I sign in, in Europe and hopefully get an opportunity in Europe? And, and that's kind of what ended up happening. Before we transition to Europe, I just had a random thought and I, you can just say yes or no to it. Do you think back then, because that was still the the period, I feel like when you were playing in the coast, like they hadn't fully transitioned away from 
hey, if we have a big goalie, we can teach him how to play. Like, do you think ever some sometimes maybe that you were having good seasons, but because you were a smaller goalie, that, that's maybe why? Like, that's just uh, this is a stretch. This is a stretch. I'm just trying to like throw something out there. Honestly, like I, I, I think maybe size had something to do with it. I don't know. Like, well, like uh, to me, I, I never really thought of it like that. Like. Mm. I just try to find ways to play bigger and, and present myself bigger in the net. I just feel like the, yeah, it just it, so many things have to kind of happen to get that opportunity. And when you get that opportunity, you got to be really good. And, um, and then you got to just keep, keep it rolling. And yeah, I mean, for me, I just didn't really get a lot of opportunities and I just felt there was time, whether or not it had to do with size, I have no idea, but at five ten on a good day, I mean, that probably didn't help, but, uh, I still believe like when you stop pucks, it, it will trump a lot of things, especially like maybe a little bit different going from the American League to the NHL. But but I think you still if you stop enough pucks, you still get opportunity in the American League, I would say. Oh, I I can I definitely like agree with that. I just wondered because like obviously back then it was still like, you know, I remember guys getting drafted and I was like, well, I don't think they really had good years, but it's because they were six four. So all these coaches, management, whatever were saying, okay. We have a guy here who's maybe not as great as this guy, but we believe we can teach him to play because you can't teach size kind of thing. And yeah, well, you see it now, like, like obviously as the transitions happen to bigger goal, like, I mean, happened is it's been happening over a lot long time, but like now that big guys can move, it really takes like, that was probably my biggest thing growing up. Um, and the reason why I kept getting opportunities was like, even though I wasn't very big, I could move. And I was like, I took so much pride in, in how I moved on the ice. And, and I think that now that the gap is like, there's no gap anymore. Like it, like big guys can move just as good as small guys. Like there's not really an advantage there anymore, but I feel like I was ahead of that a little bit, like where I could move better than a lot of big guys could at the time, which allowed me to make more saves or make up ground because I wasn't a big guy, I had to be able to skate well. And I still feel that like, if you're a small goalie and you can't skate, you, you really up against the eight ball. Like you really got to be able to be a really, really good skater so that you can get better presence to the net and you can get into your positions better. And that like two inches or three inches that you might need versus a bigger guy, like you have to find ways to get to those spots. And if you can't hit your spots on time, it's going to be really challenging at the pro level. Small goalies, listen up. Um, yeah. So then, as as we talked about, you transitioned to to Europe. So first, you went to Zagreb, located in, uh, in Croatia, but playing in the, the EBL, so the top Austrian league, and you ended up playing in that league for almost 10, 10 seasons. Yeah, ten years. Yeah. So how was uh, how was that transition? Like, was it? You know, obviously, I've I've seen your your Instagram. I've seen some of your stories. It seemed wherever you played, you lived in just beautiful places. Yeah, I you know that's one thing I was so lucky in my career. Like I I really like when I was at the OHL, I was in Toronto, um, which is obviously now my home. Um, when I like Fredericton, New Brunswick is a beautiful place. Uh, then playing a couple of years in Vegas, like then I went to Zagreb, Croatia, which which at the time like Instagram was just starting. Like that's when Instagram just came out and like Zagreb was like under Croatia was undercover incredible, right? Like now everybody knows the Croatian coast and 
and all that kind of stuff. But back then, it like nobody had heard of it. It was like on number fifty on people's travel lists, you know. And now it's like one of the top destinations worldwide. So stunning, stunning country. Um, massive hockey following there, like massive. Like we had seventy eight thousand fans a night. Loudest fans. I mean, like super loud fans. And I was so lucky. I had incredible fans there, incredible fans in Linz also, um, and, and in Hungary too, for that matter. But like seven, 8,000 people, um, it was interesting. Like when I first flew over there, here's a good one for you. You'll, you'll appreciate this on the management side. Um, I didn't have my phone set up. So that was still Blackberry times. Like, like we're going back 2012, 2011, 2012, whatever it was. Um, had my BlackBerry. Didn't know that you can like get a new SIM card for. Like I had no idea. And um, so I fly over there, and you get a car, right? And so I had a car, and I could drive standard, so that wasn't a big deal. But you get a car with no like I don't have GPS. I don't know. And like if if you've if anyone's ever been to Europe, like street like street signs are like on the walls of buildings like but you don't know like you know you're coming from north america they're like huge signs everywhere like so you're going there you have no idea where anything is so before i left uh scotty hughes from vaughn um who i worked with for a long time when i was wearing vaughn and and i'm sure you know scotty down in the u.s there so scotty's like you know what we, we can send your stuff to zagreb save you the baggage or whatever so the team's like all right let's send it all the way over I'm like perfect so we get the notification, okay, it's in Zagreb, like, great. So then I land, like, one day, and then the next day we have, like, a team skate or something or whatever it was. I don't really recall the buffer, but, like, so I get there, and I open up this map, and I'm, like, driving to the to the post office, and I show up there at the post office. Have you ever been to Croatia? Like, it's – have you been to Croatia at all? No, I haven't, no. Well, it's it's not, like – Germany, Austria, let's, let's say it, it just, this, the country's run just differently, like the way, the way it is. And, and, um, like, and I mean that in the sense of, which is funny, like you go into the post office and there's just like one guy sitting behind the desk, like hanging out. And I'm like, Oh, like I get in there. There's a huge box that says Vaughn hockey on it. Like it's just massive box. I'm like, well, that's obviously my gear. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, I'm like pointing at it, can't speak a word of Croatian. And the guy's like, ah, tomorrow, tomorrow, like Sutra, Sutra, like he's saying, like tomorrow, tomorrow. I'm like, well, just give it, I need the gear so I can go like practice this morning. Like I went the morning of whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and so I get there. So the guy doesn't give me this box. So now I go to the rink. And I'm at the rank. I have, I went, I have like what I went over there with, like whatever, skates, mask. Um, I think I have my old pants or something. And the, the trainer comes up to me. He's like, "You can wear my equipment today." I'm like, "What do you mean?" It's like, "Well, they, you know, they want you to practice today." I'm like, you don't know any different. Like, first time in Europe, you want to make yeah. an impression. So I'm like, "Oh, this is not going to be good." Like, you know how it is. Like, you can't wear someone else's gear, let alone someone else's gear from like 15 years ago so this guy pulls out like heat and pads and like just you know 
The block so that's curved. The curved block. So I like <laughs> legit wore this guy's gear my first practice over in Europe. Felt every puck. Didn't want to butterfly because you couldn't butterfly in these pads. It was just terrible. Terrible experience. Like <laughs> first day, I'm like this is terrible. The next day, the, I, I said to the GM, like, hey, like, can you come with me? Like, so we can go get this. The next day we show up to the post office. They're like, oh, buddy, buddy. Like, oh, hey, like, how's it going? Like, oh, yeah, I get points to the thing take the box and go we were there for like 10 seconds <laughs> i was like what? what a joke so anyway the next day i practiced the first time with the new team and my gear but that was a uh, pretty funny welcome to could you imagine your goalies right now like guy shows up with no gear and you get him to wear the trainer's old gear from 15 years ago uh, yeah i mean it's uh it's like to me that just reminds me of like a classic european story like that's just europe yeah. in, a, in a nutshell and they're they're so laid back right like they don't think anything of it like that's oh, what worry, i mean you can that, wear my gear don't worry about it like, that's what i meant by like how croatia is just different than austria like it like they're so laid back in croatia like it's just the, like it's just the culture there which is amazing it's it's something that i grew to love actually like i i really appreciate the way um the culture is there because it's so like like they really somebody like put it into perspective for me it's like they like here in canada we live to work like mm. now that i'm retired like all i do is work and they're like they work to live and they really enjoy life and they really enjoy you know having coffees and the culture of being with people and they're not in a rush to do anything and and there is an element to that which i think is is pretty awesome so like yeah that's what i meant by but austria is a lot more like canada i would say but anyway in in croatia i found they were a lot more laid back and i i came to really enjoy that actually croatia seems it reminds me of france like when i played my two years in france every day from 12 to 3 every place was closed except for the restaurants yeah. you'd see the bank ladies crushing two bottles of wine like yeah. as you said like they're they're enjoying their life they're in no rush yeah. to do anything that's like, how croatia is too yeah post post stuff that in canada would be there within two to three days now nah, it's two weeks who cares i will get to it like it was just yeah. the laid back yeah. no stress uh kind of yeah. mindset um so while you were playing there was there was two things i, re- I remember seeing you 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 started a goalie school um i'm not sure if you're still doing it but i believe it was in you did some camps in in australia yeah. and also uh you were a dj or still are a dj part-time dj uh do you want to comment on those two things yeah so djing i mean i've been doing that since i played in vegas which is pretty cool so i i learned that was like when you know swedish house mafia was building up i remember seeing avici the first time i played in vegas like that was like a big thing for me i loved that kind of music and um, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just learn how to do this. I've always wanted to, so I just bought decks and figured it out. And did some lessons over in Croatia too with a with the DJ there to learn how to play like the pro like pioneer DJ setup. And I would DJ clubs there when I was playing. Um, I knew a lot of the DJs, so I could just jump in with a USB stick and play a little bit. And oh, I loved it. It's so much fun. Still a great hobby of mine. I, I loved I loved playing. Um, and the goalie camp kind of came later. Actually, it was a bit of a hack to to go on a trip to Australia a couple summers in a row. I would have kept doing it. COVID uh, shut that down, but otherwise, I would I would have kept it going because like it was a lot of fun. You go down there. I mean, they're grassroots hockey, um, very basic, but for three days, do a camp, show them you know a little bit of North American training to an extent, but like 
yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, and I mean, you go, you go to Sydney, Australia and Melbourne, Australia for two weeks is not, uh, not too shabby. So it was, uh, it was great. I, I'd go like for two weeks every summer. Oh, really that's, good. that's yeah. really good. And to be, to be honest, I really enjoyed, uh, like I followed you on Instagram and I remember I was at the time I was still so actively playing. So I would yeah. watch your videos, kind of take some drill ideas, especially like you, yeah. as you said, you were, you were known for your speed and, and movement and how you, how you moved, especially like laterally. And I really enjoyed watching those videos. I felt like anyone who would have seen them, it was kind of like, you know, think you could learn things from them. It was very, very good to see and you doing it. Cause it's different when someone tells you, Hey, you got to do this, do this, this, and this. But then if they see you, doing it motion for motion it was always i just found it really helpful yeah i appreciate that yeah i mean it's it's funny but like i i did all those youtube videos like once a week and um it, they're boring like they're boring drills but those are the drills that i would do every summer like i had a system every summer where i'd be like okay i have 20 skates um skates like one i would do like I think I think I had it planned out like seven movement sessions and then 13 shooting sessions. And um that would also be in tandem with my off-ice program and, and everything would just kind of build. So I had like basically 16 weeks of training and I would build um I would start out like one skate a week, one skate a week, two a week, two a week, three a week, three a week, and then four and then camp kind of thing. Um so I would do a slow build up to kind of get all my points back and super boring to watch but those are drills that i feel like like goaltending on a lot of it is is very boring to watch like if you watch goalie practice like it's not you're not doing crazy drills every day there's so many elements of like just being really really good at basics and hitting your spots really well that like if you start in the pose and you t-push and you you hit your spot like i want to be able to do that with my eyes closed so i hit my spot every time i don't even think but the nuts and bolts of it is extremely boring and not sexy at all. <laughs> like that's just, that's training, you know, that's it. And I think to be honest, I noticed that a lot over here, especially when I was beginning with teaching is I, there was one place in, in particular, I, I taught kids once a week and their parents were getting frustrated. They're like, well, you keep doing these drills. Like, you know, every month I'd say you do this drill twice, out, twice out of the four sessions or whatever, like there'd be hour, hour and a half sessions each time. And they're like, we watch all these drills online. Like, why don't you do something more like complicated? Like, it's clearly too easy for my my son or my daughter. And, and I would just say, well, if they if, if we do this drill five times in a row, and like you said, if they're not hitting the post all five, like imagine what happens in a game when it's not controlled. Like, I'm like, the yeah. reason they're at a young age, it needs to, it's, it's repetition. It's like, you know, whatever the saying is, thousand hours or 10,000 hours to be a, become an expert. Like, goaltending especially drills like they're not supposed to be like complicated fancy six shot drills like they are boring they get repetitive but then you do see it during the year when it, it's when yeah. it's the situations you don't have to think anymore you're just reacting yeah and i mean boring i mean like they're just not it's not always sexy right like, yeah. it's just a matter of like like instagram has made things i think a little overvalued of like the elements needed sometimes and it's like if you hit your spots really well and you get in a good position, you give yourself a really good chance to make saves. And I think that's where, like, I took so much pride in my training and so much, um, like, I really took a lot of time. And that's why I really appreciated those. I would just rent the ice myself and just go out there and just hit my spots. And it was super boring. I'd watch the tape back. Am I big in the net? 
is my glove in good position? Am I on my feet set? Am I on the right angle? Am I hitting my post consistently? RVH, all that stuff. Like I did thousands and thousands of reps of RVH over the course of my career. And I really wanted to become like an expert at it. Like actually like take the time to be like, okay, if I slide in this way, can I hit the bridge of my, like to the point where I don't ever think. And if I miss, can I play off my skate? And if I miss, can I play out of the inside of my net? And I see that a lot you know, at the NHL level. If someone misses their post, they're done. Mm-hmm. And it's so I took so much pride into trying to like figure all that out. And I, that's kind of actually like kind of when I knew I was kind of near in the end is when I didn't find a lot of excitement and just doing that kind of stuff. Cause that's what I, that drove me for so long and, and trying to learn and get better. You just brought it up. I was going to ask. So what eventually uh, yeah. led to you transitioning out of like playing and now you're, you're obviously in real estate, but what was kind of the deciding factor at the NK it's, it's been a good career, but it's time to time to turn the page. Yeah, I mean, the big two big factors. I think um, the first one was the trickle down effect. So I, you know, I kind of hit my peak in Linz and um, the highest level I was going to play at in Austria, and that was great. And but like Linz was a, is a really high level team. Um, you know, they they take care of players very well. And once I was there for six years, which is incredible. Um, then they let me know they weren't going to resign me, which, you know, it's, that's definitely part of it, but I was so grateful for the time there. And, um, then, you know, you get offers in the summer and they're just different teams, not as good of teams, not as good of salary, not as good of all of it basically. And it was like, okay, well, so I ended up signing on a team in Hungary, which I had a lot of fun there, but, um, still like, you know, you kind of go like this, you keep trying to work your way up and then, you know, you start coming down a little bit and, um, yeah. And then I, it was obviously COVID was, it was a big factor. Like now all of a sudden I'm in Europe, which I love living in Europe and I couldn't even leave my apartment and I couldn't go out for coffee and I couldn't go out for a beer and I couldn't, you know, do all the stuff that I just loved about Europe. That was what I loved about it, you know? Um, and then I got hurt. Uh, so then I had a concussion. I, I already had a couple before and I rushed back. And, um, during that time, I'd also started my real estate course online because actually, um, that was one thing with the pandemic that allowed me to, to really like, like do courses online. And now all of a sudden I could do my real estate license online. And I was like, all right, well, once I start this, I have two years. I was 35 at the time. I'm like, I have to be done in two years. So I'll play this season. And maybe get a bonus the next season, uh, like bonus meaning like get another contract as a bonus for another year. And then I know I'm done. Um, and then I got hurt and rushed back a little bit too early, hurt again. And I was like, I'm done. This is not worth my, you know, my health to to just keep fighting for something that I'm just not. I'm, I just started losing my, my excitement to do all the stuff that made playing so fun for me like i love training i love trying to get better i love trying to learn i love all that aspect of it once any of those factors started to waver for me i was like i'm you know what's the point at this point like like if you're not going to enjoy the process you know you're not going to enjoy what you're actually doing so i made the jump to real estate well it's good like i think it's really for a lot of athletes just talking to them personally and and i was obviously on the other side of it too is 
you kind of have that fear of like what's after hockey because it's all you've known for your whole life is you know like i started playing hockey when i was three so played till i was whatever yeah. 28 29 so almost 30 years and then i like i find it really good that you always had like a plan like you knew like okay you know i want i, I like real estate i want to be try to be a real estate agent want to get involved in that and here's my two-year window to do the, the license and play maybe one or two more years of hockey and um like some guys you know as i said they struggle with that like they're they're nervous for for life after um i personally know a player playing in this league who played you know nhl games long time ahl high levels of europe and this he said this is his last year and he's talked to some people i know and i asked him hey what's the real world like or what's life after hockey like and he's like it honestly i'm nervous so it's definitely different um for me the biggest thing was like i i've always been entrepreneurial like like you said, I had the goalie camp going. I had, I built an app at some point too. Like I went through that process. I had hired a company to build an app out for me and, and do some stuff like that. So I've always been like pretty entrepreneurial. I do think that the, the real estate thing, like I've been investing in real estate since 2014. So actually it's something I've been doing for a long time. My dad's a realtor. My aunt's a realtor. It's kind of runs in the family and um i love it and, and what i would do is i would buy places i would live in them in the off season i would rent them out furnish i would like furnish them renovate them update them um and then rent them out when i was gone um, so i'd rent them out for six to eight months a year and then when i moved back in the summer i always had a place to live or i'd buy another one and then i would do the same so when i was playing i'd accumulated a few properties and um, i liked that aspect of it and then it was just a matter of I want to do this for a living. So then I, um, yeah. So then I just started getting my license and that's what I do full time. Now it's been a pretty fun, it's been all, just started year three. So it's been a pretty fun transition. And I find a lot of the lessons in, I'm sure any business, but especially in real estate are very similar to, to being a goalie. I think that the, the wins, the losses, the, you know, your, the boring non-sexy stuff that you have to do every single day that like yeah it looks really cool on instagram when i do you know video tours of houses and stuff like that but like that's that's a very like it's a big part of what i do but it's also not all of what i do you know and the million dollar listing new york's like that's all the sexy stuff um which is cool and and that stuff is amazing it's so much fun but there's also the elements of like like i run a business like i actually am my own business um literally so you know there's there's elements that you have to invest in your business you have to you have to get proper coaching you have to do the right systems and build the systems and all this stuff like think of think of if you were to take a goalie from scratch right now how would you turn them into a pro it's a it's the exact same thing just a different it's the same sport just a different game if that makes sense it's all the same elements you got to establish a system you got to you know create the work ethic you got to bring in all the elements and i found that like for me this path is really um giving me the same i i still get the same like kind of excitement that i did when i was playing and that was the other thing too with transitioning was like i was starting to get more excited about the next what was coming next than i was playing and i knew for me once that happens the game's funny like the game probably injured me in the sense of like it was like not the game didn't injure me but like it was like all right you don't you're not gonna be all in on this like you're done we're gonna spit you out and you can go on with your way you know that's how i feel sometimes but 
no, yeah, it's been a fun transition. I love, I love real estate. Um, I would, I would love to, you know, if hockey players wanted to learn like how to build wealth in real estate, like I think I bought my first place in 2014, so almost 10 years ago. And for example, in Toronto, on average, the property will double every 10 years. And if I wouldn't have purchased that property in 2014, come retirement, now all of a sudden, like I'm chasing a, a real estate market, trying to get a place to live. So, you know, that was an element of it too. That's one thing, honestly, that I I regret not doing when I was playing was kind of like investing in at least one property. Because as you yeah. said, like you, you have somewhere to stay during the summer and then also you can renovate it a bit, furnish it, and then... Like it's just a stream of, of income during the year if you find someone who's you know looking to stay for whatever it is eight nine months or you know it's just an easy way to to make some money on the side because obviously you know europe hockey i think you're treated really well but it's obviously not uh, not nhl salaries and stuff like that so but no i'm i'm like that's one thing as i said my dad says the same thing to me is like we should if we could do it again we should have uh should have invested. But, yeah, but it's never too late. But I like for me, the biggest thing was my parents when they started seeing what I was paying in rent every month. And the, my, like my dad's a realtor, he's like, "It's time for you to buy something." Mm-hmm. Second, you can get your minimum down payment saved up. He's like, "Get something, let it do its thing over time, um, even if it's not cheap, because right properties definitely still aren't cheap." Like it's the same conversation ten years ago as it is now. It's just obviously it's more expensive now. But back then was the same conversation. It's still expensive. And, you know, you're still getting a condo at the time was like, you know, whatever, 300,000. But like, that's still a lot of money back then, 10 years ago. Like, it, you know, it's different. But yeah, no, that, that's, that's what I did. And, and it allowed me to, when I retired now, like I had a place to live. I could move right in. I didn't have to try to get a mortgage without having a job. Like, you know, it's very different. So I was able to move in and, have my rental properties and just it gave me a lot of stability when I was when I was retiring as well. When you look back on your your playing career or your life of hockey, like do you do you think it would have taken you uh as far as it did? Uh I mean I think like everyone want like I wanted to play in the NHL. Um I think once you realize that maybe it's not gonna happen, but you can still have a pretty great career and, and enjoy it. No, I mean, I, I enjoyed the process, but I didn't really enjoy it until I was like probably 32, 33 years old. And I had an awesome goalie coach in Lince and he really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, and I was always like in the rat race, like just like everybody else. And always like, how do I get better? How do I, you know, it's the typical old saying, it's like, how do you keep, like I want to get to the next level and the next best thing and the next best thing. And then you make X amount of dollars. You want to make Y amount of dollars and you make Y and you want to make Z. And like, you just want to keep whatever, like it's, it's tough to be satisfied, but like I look at it now and I'm like, what a, what a life, like how awesome was that? You know, like I, I was able to live a dream for like literally playing a dream till I was 35 or 36 years old. And, um, it's pretty amazing when I look back at it now. It feels like an eternity ago, like now that I'm two years out. But at the same time, you know, I I'm so grateful for having the opportunity to play a, a sport for a living, and and that sport also set me up for the next part of my life too. And you also, um, 
I, I just by going online a little bit, you also have a podcast yourself, as we talked about before, a little bit uh, off the air. Do you want to tell tell anyone listening just kind of about that and like what your uh, you know what's what's your goal with that? I guess you would say is it something just kind of a hobby and kind of do from time to time, or is it something you want to do regularly, weekly? Yeah, I mean, for me, I. I started this podcast as a way to, uh, I really want to interview like hockey guys that are into real estate. That's kind of like where the idea started. Um, but there is a podcast actually out right now. It's called Pucks to Properties. And I, I was on their podcast and they, they, they actually had that idea and have been running with it for a while. So like I didn't, hadn't heard of it, but then um, now it's, it's still very similar. Like guys who maybe have played a little bit of hockey, but are realtors, um, I want to interview some good coaches and stuff like that, like people that I've I've met along the way, and um, yeah, just like I don't know, it's fun and and it gives me more content to put out on on social media and stuff like that, so that I can um, like kind of the same thing like you were saying, like you know, you you maybe regret not buying a place where you're playing like how many years ago. Well, I want to teach guys how to do that, so when they're 24 and they they you know, maybe get a nice contract or the first time they do get that contract, can they purchase a property that in 10 years will, you know, do some work for them on the equity side. And I'd love to teach anybody that that's kind of what I want to do with this podcast. And, and it's just a matter of having great conversations, having people learn like, like this. And I, I do think there's so much value to talk to different people and, and it's fun too. Like sometimes it's nice to not be the one talking all the time and just ask the questions. I, I like that aspect of it too. Um, Cause I run out of things to say, believe it or not too. So um, yeah, no, I, I like it. Um, anyone can check that out. The Michael is podcast. I, I couldn't think of a name for the life of me. So I was like, whatever, I, I got to get this thing started. So I just was like, that's the easiest thing. Um, YouTube uh, is probably where I'm putting my most of my attention right now. So if if someone anyone's interested in learning about um, the Toronto real estate market, most specifically, um, YouTube is what I what I'm really focusing on, and that that's taken up a lot of my time from an editing perspective and stuff like that. But uh, tons of resources on there. Just trying to put out information and Instagram, of course. Just trying to be helpful for for everyone out there listening, which is there you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like on honestly, you know, kind of like you said, like it's cool to share stories, cool to talk to people about their experiences. And as you said, like my first episode, I was like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna do you know like 30 minutes, and it was 45, and then the next one was an hour, then it was an hour 20, and like for me, I think that's what's cool about it is there's no like set time for talking it's just let the guy ask the questions let them share their experience and then they kind of go down memory lane too with it and that's yeah kind of the joy i i, I get out of it it's been um, fun to like think about those things like you asked about finland like man like that's like going in the vault you know there's a lot of stories that i can't even like remember until i have to like physically think about them like so no thanks for thanks for having me it's been fun yeah, the last one before you go, I always ask yeah. I always ask the guests this and I think it's good for any any young listeners out there. What is uh one piece of advice or maybe if you have a couple that you would have given your younger self? So as we we've gone to memory lane here, you're looking back like if, if you were to tell your 16-year-old self again some advice, uh, what would you say? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um 16-year-old self. I think I think the three things that 
any hockey player needs to 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 think about is one is the patience of it is that it doesn't just all happen right away um and with that it probably won't happen the way you plan it out in your head anyways so i think just being patient and, and being where your feet are is huge two is if you want to be I'm sure you see this too. The, the players who I always find have the best careers or the longest careers are the ones that really dedicate themselves to their craft and the work and the just all encompassing everything about being a hockey player. There's very few that just have so much talent that they just get by for a long, long time. They'll get by for some time, but it catches up to them in the end. And three is just enjoying the process of it, just enjoying the grind or the ebbs and flows or the bus rides and and being with the guys and and or girls if you're on a women's team and just enjoying that entire process of all of it because it's gone faster than you think and then all of a sudden you're in real life and you know i'm real i'm in real life now i'm 37 38 and now like it, it feels like a distant memory of what i the only life i ever knew so it's something that I really feel enjoy it and milk it for as long as you can. Those are three really uh, important things that I, I think everyone should definitely take into consideration, especially the last one. I've had, like as I said, you're my fourth guest so far. And I think three of the four people have said, enjoy the process. And that's so true because as, as we all know it, for some of us, it ends earlier than, than others and you don't know how long. And then you look back and you miss those bus trips with the boys, locker room, living in Europe, all that, the, the grind, as you said, the ups and ups and downs. So, um, yeah. And that's why, like, I, I, I can come in the office, um, pretty much every day. Like I, like we have a really awesome group here at the office that just taking that 20 minutes in the morning to have a coffee and talk to people like real estate is a could be a lonely business. If you do it on your own, like I can work from home every day and not only talk to like, like I'm not talking to like, peers as much as I'm talking to clients and stuff, but having that like friends in the industry and people you can bounce ideas off of and, and talk to just like, it's the same kind of thing as being in hockey. Like when you're on a team, you guys are going through the same stuff all together. Right. So there's always common ground there. And just that camaraderie of it is, is huge and probably something that I miss the most, I would say. And on that, uh, I just like to thank you again for, for taking the time to talk to me and share, uh, share your story. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, we'll see each other this summer. Now that you're, uh, you're in the GTA, I'll have to swing my way down I'm and here. you can show me, show me some real estate properties. Anytime you want, I'm here. Um, actually on May 11th, uh, like if anyone's in town, I want to do a, I can do an in-person seminar for hockey guys, people pretty, pretty much like in kind of your situation that you're in Europe and, and back and forth, or, you know, you have, you're playing and back and forth. Like I kind of want to, I'm still building that up, but it's going to be, I think May 11th is what the tentative date. And it'll be myself and mortgage broker and um, just kind of lay out the, the entire system of how I did it and, and how to do it on for anyone else who wants to learn. So yeah, there we go. Anybody wants to learn. May 11th, right in May the 11th. I'll see you there. Here's May 11th. <laughs> see you in two months. <laughs> Michael, thanks again. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, appreciate it. And for the listeners, until the next one, cheers and ciao.